Hello, 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 everybody. I hope you can hear me well out there. Shigar Kwini Love, the host of the Relationship Zone, the podcast. I am here with another episode of the Relationship Zone where I am tackling once again the five love languages. Um, Thank you for sending in a couple of the questions. I appreciate that to kind of get this conversation going. Um, I will do my best to touch on as much as I can. Give you a little bit of history. So back in the day, I used to um, teach. Sorry, I'm trying to get my mic adjusted. I apologize. Back in the day, I used to teach classes at one of the local military bases here in the area. And it was for families, um, non-clinical type of education and counseling and coaching and all the life work for military family members and for those that were working Govy. So, and I was tasked to create some presentations um, for relationships and family kind of team building and, you know, just really centered around relationships, trying to help our families remain healthy families and not have to, you know, take any type of counseling um, further upstream. So they would come to my office, sign up for my program, and I would create presentations and we would talk it out. We would talk about family life and, excuse me, how better, how best to communicate with each other and the things that's not working. And, and, you know, just military members were coming back from various um, deployments and moving from different areas. And it was, it was a struggle. So I had the privilege of becoming a certified, I guess you can say facilitator of the five love languages written by, um, Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman. And I had an opportunity to go to one of his trainings and I began to um, have conversations surrounding the topic and the philosophy of the five love languages. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you've read the book and if you haven't, then please go out and get the book. And I want to definitely start with a disclaimer saying that No book has all the answers if you don't do the work. So regardless of what Dr. Chapman says in this book, you still got to do the work. And now this book has been written and rewritten and rewritten, rewritten, translated. And, you know, it's from, uh, for singles, for married couples. It initially started for married couples, for um, parents, for um, really understanding your love language. And uh, even when you're at work, relationships at work, you know, how you receive love and, you know, how you function, <laughs> you know, in, the, in certain environments, it, it all matters. So this, this book is, is good and you can use it in all areas of your life. But I just want to touch briefly on the five love languages. Um, again, hopefully you read the book. If you haven't, <laughs> please go and get it. Um, I most recently took the quiz uh, again, and 
in taking the quiz, I discovered that when I initially started facilitating these talks um, back then, which was probably about now it's been maybe, oh, so it's been about nine years ago. Uh, I realized that uh, my love language has changed. Like my primary and secondary shifted a little bit, but also I also will say this, that uh, my situation at that time influenced my love language. And I remember when I took the test initially, it, I, I, I took it and I thought I was being transparent. Um, but if I honestly look over my life over the last nine years, honestly, the, my true love language, which presented itself today and which really been presenting itself all along, <laughs> it was always there. And for whatever reason, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. So to make a long story short, um, there are five different, uh, languages. Dr. Um, Chapman believes that there are five different ones and, um, one being um, personal touch or yeah, personal touch. And another being um, words of affirmations, uh, another being quality time, another being receiving gifts and lastly, acts of service. So, or physical touch, I hate to say personal touch. <laughs> that sounded horrible, <laughs> physical touch. All right, y'all got it All right. All right, you're tracking physical touch. Um, acts of service, receiving gifts, um, quality time, and words of affirmation. Uh, so with that being said, when I initially took this assessment some years ago, nine plus years ago, my top two, my primary and secondary were quality time and physical touch. And then I think maybe acts of service was three, affirmations was four, and gifts was five. So I took it today and <laughs> quality time is still number one and acts of service is number two. Physical touch is three. Gifts is four. <laughs> And five is affirmations. So what I learned in that, like I said, I think that um, I, I remember what I was going through at the time. And I think that influenced some of what I thought I needed, but I've been teaching this off and on for a while. And and I've studied it for a while and I go back and I say, the acts of service has always been a thing for me. So you guys send in, sent in some questions. And so I want to get to those because it's going to pull in why acts of service was so important to me and acts of service I've learned. And when I do the research and when I look at any, you know, if I sit in any seminars, it seems like acts of service is one of the hardest ones for some people. Um, and affirmations is very difficult for some people as well. But let's just go down the list a little bit and um, we'll see what we learn together. 
All right. So let's get it. We give and we receive love differently. And because of that, um, sometimes keeping love alive in our relationships can be very hard. Um, sometimes, you know, if we just clearly don't understand how to receive our, you know, significant other's love. Um, so we sometimes just throw in a towel out of the frustration. But in truth, it's just like living in a home where two people, or let's say five people, all speak different languages. Um, you really can't understand each other and imagine how frustrating that becomes, right? So I don't, I can't understand Chinese. And if my Chinese friend can't understand English, then we can find ways to communicate, but it's not fluid and it doesn't flow easily. Now throw in a German speaker, right? <laughs> and now we're all three of us are sitting here trying to do this dance together. And the likelihood of us being able to communicate properly, effectively, is very small. Now in, in, in that, you know, in that example, you may decide to just go silent and do everything through actions, right? And start teaching. So you find a different way to love. And I think that even in the relationships, we do find sometimes a different way to love, but it may not even be sustainable, right? We can't always sustain that new way of love if our basic needs aren't met. And I'm just going to touch a little bit on this because I really hope that after this podcast, you send in more questions. And if I have answers, I'll help you. I'll give you what I have, or you go and you explore on your own, because I believe that we can make love work if we work it. Um, one thing I'll challenge you to do is to look back on your childhood and think about how you were loved. What actually made you feel most loved? And what, what, what action was that? Was it when mom or dad hugged you? Um, was it when they brought home a gift or brought home that special candy or brought home something that you always loved? Um, was it in fact that when mom or dad or auntie took you someplace and spent some amazing time with you or, you know, showed you something new, gave you a different experience? Um, how did you interpret love when you were young? Um, you know, whenever you first started dating, how was it, you know, as a, you know, how it is when we're like, you know, middle school or even that little elementary school crush, if you can think back, you know, was it because he or she kissed you and you just felt all, you know, mushy inside or when you were older and you started dating and, you know, he would pick you up or he would put that letterman's jacket on you and you just felt amazing. Or when he, you know, maybe would take you out and say, this is my girlfriend and would affirm you. Um, or was it when she would, every time she saw you, she would hug you, kiss you, jump in your arms. Was it that physical touch? Um, or was it whenever you would do something, they were your biggest cheerleader and that's when you felt most loved. When you look back at your childhood and think about what love looked like to you and how you felt, how you felt when you received that act or that thing or had that experience, you probably feel the same way as an adult. For me, I realized that over the last 
umpteen years, all I've been is a servant leader, a servant sister, friend, lover, mom. And that is truly my highest expression of love. Like that's the way I show love and everything else is a choice. If I know that you love gifts, you love wine, you love handwritten notes, you love a hug, I choose to try to show love that way as well. But what's natural to me is serving you, right? Is, is doing something of service for my community, doing something of service for my children, being there. Even the type of work I do currently, I feel most alive working in an industry where I'm helping. And people used to frown upon that but now when you look at the lens of love languages, you realize, no, this is really who some of us really are. And it's not because we need validation. It's because that's just how we show love. <laughs> and the same thing with quality time. When I've taken this assessment before, um, I've, I, I don't know if I've taken it with the same understanding as I have now. But I've always valued the quality of time. And back in the day when I used to teach this class, I remember telling families that it wasn't just quality time because sometimes we think quality time is, well, I came home at five o'clock and I sit on the couch with him or I sit on the couch with her. That is far from the truth. If that person at home still feels like you're not present, there's something more that they're asking for. And the quality time may mean that they desire your undivided attention. The quality time may mean that they would rather you also stroke their hair because they want to be close to you in addition to the quality time. But I used to share that it's the quality of time that really means the most to people. And I think we have to get to a place where we understand what the quality of time really looks like versus just quality time. For me, Quality time means you are intentionally setting aside time to be with me. Perfect example. I fuss at my children because I've spent all of my life sacrificing for them. And I've been looking forward to them becoming older. And my mind, <laughs> my thought was, we would spend all this time together when they became older, but before I became an old woman, right? Like I really wanted to have all these great adventures with them. So when they were younger, I spent a lot of time doing things with them. Unbeknownst to me, I was probably forcing them because neither one of them, well, I don't want to say neither, but certainly <laughs> my daughter's love language is not quality time, <laughs> So I would force her to spend time with me. And now as adults, it's difficult. I can't get her to sign up to give me the quality time that I want. Her quality time is, hey, I'm in the house. I'm in the room. And um, my quality time is, hey, come out and sit on the couch with me. Let's watch a movie and let's talk and laugh. And she hates that with me. <laughs> so her love language is receiving gifts. That's not my language. And I have to choose, like, I literally have to ask her, what do you want? So I can go get that. And as soon as I go get it, she's happy. But I've also learned that if I'm out 
and just studying her and knowing what she likes. And I'm just learning this in her twenties. Okay. So it's taken me a while to choose this way of loving her. Um, Cause I always provided her, her, her needs, her needs were bad, but she's a gift person. So her wants are a big deal to her. And so now when I'm out, I choose if I'm somewhere and I see that there's, you know, she likes ice cream and she likes smoothies and things like that. A simple gesture of me calling her up and saying, Hey, I'm at the local juice bar. They have this drink. Do you want it? I can get that drink for her. And she's happy. Now she may not, you know, get all giggly like I would just because you would thought of me, but I know she's thankful that I gave it to her where I thought about her and I brought it and that's her language. It's gifts. So I just want to share with you that, you know, understanding your partner's love languages is essential in having a great relationship or at least a, a better chance at having a great relationship. So the first step is make sure you get the book, go out and take the test, have a discussion about it with people other than just your significant other, because you don't want to feel like you're like someone is attacking you over you not knowing, but have a discussion, maybe get with other couples, get with other friends, call me, you know, my email, send me an email, Bartalks, B-A-R-T-A-L-K-S 2.0 at Gmail. So, and we can talk about it because it's important to know what the love language is. Um, Communication is very (laughs) important and how we talk about these things is important. Otherwise you can have a misunderstanding just due to the complexity of understanding the language, right? And feeling like you didn't know, so you didn't do. So let's let's just dig more into it. So as, as Dr. Chapman, he talks about filling your loved one's love tank, which I love the analogy, you know, I do. And to make this simple as possible, if person's primary love language is physical touch and the secondary love language is gifts and you're unable to touch them or gift them something, but right now with Amazon, you can gift almost anything anywhere, but let's say you can't, then whatever the third language is that they score once you take this test, I have suggested to my couples to move into that one. So if that one is affirmations, then fill them up on affirmations and communicate that, babe, I really wish I could be there to hold you right now. Um, I tried to send this box in the mail. It's going to be late, but I got something special coming for you. I love you. And I'm, I will be so glad when I'm able to see you. You're my rock. You you see, give the person something positive to hold on to and be honest and be truthful, be genuine. But this will help to keep that love tank, or as I like to say, that love bridge together. It's important because if you really want it to work, you don't want your partner to be feeling empty and unloved. And go back to what I'm saying about how you were loved and how that other person was loved as a child and what they thought love was and their experience and how it felt for them. It's important. Like we, we are nurtured in a way that stays with us. And this is my belief 
that stays with us throughout life. And if you can find someone that can meet you where you were nurtured and it worked, then I believe it will work. So keeping the love tank full is important. Everyone talks about and seeks love, yet the word has so many interpretations. And in relationships in itself, primary, it's primary intended so that you can foster love and intimacy. Think about that. And that's just to try to feel that inner tank. Even if you didn't go into that relationship thinking that's what you were doing, why are you still staying? You're staying because you're hoping to get something from it. And we're talking positive love. So we're hoping that if you're listening, you're seeking positive love. Now, full, you know, disclosure, in my true belief, if people that you're courted up with choose not to give you that, they just may not be for you. And you have to make a decision at some point. Is this okay with me? Or am I going to be honest with myself? I'm not here to break up marriages or couples or relationships. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm just here to say that if you we're talking five love languages and we want to make it work, we have to figure out what that looks like. I'm going to move into some thoughts. Though the falling in love experience is exciting, it is short-lived and it's largely self-centered love that truly contributes to our significant other's emotional well-being is based on reason will and discipline that's what i believe the latter alone discipline contains the possibility of transformation and completion again these are just my thoughts wrote a little something about words of affirmation some people think that words of affirmation is difficult. And if you do have a hard time looking at your partner, affirming them in a positive manner, I ask that you check self and try to figure out why do I have such a hard time with looking at her or looking at him and saying, wow, I love the way that dress fits you today. I love the way those pants fit you today. I love how good you smell. Wow. You look so, so, you did such a good job. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Compliments, words of encouragement and request rather than demands all affirm the self-worth of your significant other. They create intimacy, they heal wounds and they bring out the full potential of your other half. How do words bind us? and free us and shape our views of ourselves and the world around us. Think about that whenever you're charged with affirming the partner that words of affirmation is their or are their number one love language. The quality time that I spoke about, quality of time, spending quality time together through sharing, listening and participating in joint meaningful activities, communicates that we truly care for each other. Think about that. And, and I'll go a step further for those that are religious or have a practice, you know, spending time with your creator. Think about that. Even if it's just in worship or in prayer, 
think about how good that feels. And if we go back to affirmations for those that are religious, think about how when you do, let's say you go to church, I'm just going to use Christianity as a thing. If you go to church, think about when you hear the word that affirms you, think about how good that feels when you leave. You are itching every, like all week trying to get to the, to the house of prayer so you can get that word to affirm you and to make you feel whole and for you to just go and spend time with your creator. It's no different in relationship. No different. Spend, choose to spend quality time with your partner doing things that they like. You know what I'm saying? Look at the things that you're, that maybe your spouse, you know, the challenges that they, that they face. How can you then spend time with them to alleviate some of that? Maybe have less advice to give them and show a little more sympathy. Maybe offer them more understanding and, and not as many solutions, just so that they know you're hearing them in, while, you, while they're there sharing with you. Maybe even ask them a few other questions rather than jump into conclusions. That quality time. Pay more attention to the person and less to the problem. And ask them how, how important are shared activities with them? How important are shared activities to you? gifts, receiving or giving. <laughs> gifts are visual, visual uh, symbol of love. Whether they're items you purchase or even the ones you made, or whether they are simply your own presence made available to your significant other. Sometimes your time is a gift. Gifts demonstrate that you care and they represent the value of the relationship. And remember I shared my daughter's love language, her top one it, is gifts. I'm not a big gift giver. My gift is me. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean that my gift is in service. And my daughter's love language is not service. It is truly a tangible gift. <laughs> you know, the value of the gift is totally in the eye of the beholder. So for me, a gift for me is you taking the time to write a letter to me. A gift for me, yeah, I love to receive something beautiful in the mail. I do. Honestly, a gift for me turns into an act of service. So if you see a need, and this is something that's, that's I'm going to get there in a moment. If you see a need, the gift is you doing it for me, but that's not always interpretation. You know how sometimes like, let's say I'll use the South as an example. In the South, there's a Southern language, a Southern draw that a lot of people, they all sound very similar, right? But the dialect, if you go deeper and deeper and deeper into certain communities, the dialect switches, it changes. So South Geechee doesn't sound like South Lumbee. It sounds different, but it all sounds South. So I say that because sometimes our languages, it's the language, but then there's a different dialect within the language. So let's say someone, and, and someone has sent this question in, if you both have the same top language, let's say the same top language is gift. Yeah, but giving you um, a handwritten love letter may not be 
the same for the other person that loves an actual car. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The language is the same, but the dialect, the dialect gets a little different. You're both speaking English, but you're speaking Southern or Western or, or Midwest or Deep South or New York. You see what I'm saying? We're all speaking English. But now how we sound, how we say certain words, how we receive certain interpretations are different. So it's important to understand. It's, this is why it's so important to spend that time getting to know your partner, because every single person you encounter wants to be loved differently. And you may find the right person for you, but because you don't understand their dialect or the vernacular sounds a little off, seems off. You just feel like they're not for you. No, maybe you have to step back and be honest with yourself and say, oh, I was trying to love you the same way I love Teresa. Wow. I thought all men wanted physical touch. I thought all women like gifts. Ah, tell me, have you been there? I have been there. Access service, you know, this is a, this is one when you study it, you realize that access service honestly is one of the hardest ones for people to do. And I realized this criticism of your significant other, their failures to do things, you know, for you may be an indication that access service, yeah, is your primary language. Um, access service should never be coerced, but should be freely given and received and completed as requested. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this one because this one was a big one for me, but here's the kicker for years. I thought, as I said, shared earlier, I thought my love language was, um, quality time and physical touch. I realized that's not it. Instead, it was quality time and acts of service. <laughs> now listen, here is how you cannot be conscious or cognitive of what you're saying. You're just saying it and you don't hear it. And then suddenly it hits you one day. I have always said, actions speak louder than words. Always said that. I have always said, Words are just words, but I need your actions to match up with that. Okay. He, actions. I've always wanted you to, I've always wanted to see you do whatever it is you profess for me. Oh, I love you so much. Yeah. Let me see what that looks like. But I was telling people, could you spend time with me? Oh, I need a hug. I remember wondering like, why if, if the relationship begins to feel weird, I don't need to be intimate with you. I don't need to make out with you. I'd rather have none of that. And I began to sit back and watch what you do. Why? It's because acts of service was my thing. I remember how I would make a big deal over, oh my God, they acted like this. I'm talking about, I'm talking about relationships, friendships. They did that. I would never do that with them. I would never act that way. I'm always going to be this. I'm, I'm sharing my way 
because that was truly the way I also wanted to be loved. So side note, it may be different for you, but know this, you can have two love languages, your primary receiving and your giving could be totally different. Could be totally different. Um, I love a good foot rub. That's act of service, but I would confuse that with touch because I, that's what I thought it was, but no, it is, is of service. I think even in the Bible, washing feet was of service, right? That to me means far more than anything else. I've been in relationships where people have said um, that they'll do something for me and they will. And it's the smallest thing. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. That was so nice of you. And I can be on that high forever. And it's, I'm, I'm not talking about giving me a gift. The gift isn't the thing because I think gifts are easy for some people. But kindness and love and consideration and sacrifice, yeah, that's not, that's not, that's not easy. That's not easy. And I think because I'm such a service person, I know what it's like to sacrifice all of yourself to help someone or to be there for someone and then for them not to be able to appreciate it. I know what that feels like. I understand the sacrifice. And so when people sacrifice for me, I feel most loved. And here's, here's the other kicker. As a kid, my grandmother made the sacrifices. My mother didn't. I never felt loved by my mother, ever. I grew up in a very empty tank with her, on a very empty tank with her. That car, I couldn't go any further. My was empty. When my mentors came into my life, they did all kinds of things to help me, to guide me, to save me, to affirm me. And they spent time with me and they built me up to where my tank was full. But there was a part of me, every time I would get around my mother, I felt empty and unloved. This has transcended over relationships. And I know that acts of service is a, is a bigger part of my love language than anything else, than, than gifts and affirmations and, and even physical touch. I love a good hug, but that's not how I know you love me. That's easy. I think that you should go back and remember some of those acts of services that acts of service that you performed with each other when you first started this thing and how it drew you together and see if your relationship can be rekindled or see if your relationship can kind of be relit or ignited because that may be the thing. And again, I'm, I'm just sharing, go back, ask your partner what their love language is. Once you take the assessment, talk about it, figure it out. Yeah. Well, acts of service is, you know, it's just, it's a big part of my love language. That's why I love the community the way I do. And <laughs> not long ago, I was sharing, I said, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. I'm getting so tired in love and you know, I'm getting tired. I don't think anyone understands my language. 
Well, it's the truth is, is that I've been telling people the wrong language, honestly. <laughs> so if you don't know the language, if you're not telling, not sharing your language properly, because you're unclear, then honestly, it feels like someone is moving the goalposts on you, right? So you may have experienced that. Have you ever experienced something like someone has moved the goalposts now? Again, I'm talking about healthy love. I'm not talking about abusive use, you know, people. I'm not talking about that. I'm specifically talking about healthy love. Have you ever felt felt like someone's just keep moving the goalposts? Um, I think I have. I've done it. I think I've moved moved the goalposts because I've told people that my love language is quality time and touch. And I've had folks try to hug and touch me to death. And I'm still saying, yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, so when are you gonna make plans with me? <laughs> because the act of service is the effort that you put in to making the plan. And if you don't get this right, if you don't understand it, you may share, you may convey the wrong message. And that's not what you want to do. It's important to know your love language and your partner's love language. Okay, physical touch. Let's talk a little bit about this whole physical touch because, um, <sighs> you know, physical touch as a gesture of love um, reaches to the depths of your being. And as a love language, it is powerful form. It's a powerful form of communication with the smallest touch on the shoulder or the most passionate kiss. This is definitely my third my third language that I, and it probably sometimes sit, it's third, but probably it, it, it looks like it's third by like a number, like one number separating um, physical touch and separating acts of service. Um, perhaps you and your significant other have never openly shared with each other the types of touching you find pleasurable but maybe consider discussing the emotional, sexual, and psychological dimensions related to all the areas of your body. Babe, I love it whenever you massage my head. I love it when I'm riding in the car with you and you reach over and you grab my hand. Hey, I love just making love to you. I mean, I just, you know, like how can I, you know, make you feel good tonight? <laughs> and sometimes they'll, they'll tell you, I just want to massage, but can you just rub my shoulders? It's not, not, not that I want to be intimate inside of you right but I want you to just can you rub my shoulders tonight I've had a long day you know can I just cuddle up under you having that conversation about what makes you feel most pleasurable is important when you see that personal that physical touch is one of the higher languages for your for your person um My own personal advice is this. Resolve never to touch your partner in a harmful way. If you've ever harmed your significant other, even in the slightest, ask for forgiveness and commit to dealing with this self-control issue. And so that they know, because that also may be a thing. The person that you're with may be in a touch deficit, but because of the history or because of a past experience they may shy away from the one thing that they need the most so be honest be open have a conversation about it 
and work through that and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? One of the things about physical touch, I, I'll tell you the reason why I was so convinced that physical touch was my thing was um, when I'm upset with you, it's, it's short-lived. And I remember I used to want to be mad and because a hug softens my heart. When I was young and in love, first love my life, Jonathan, um, I remember we would, we would get into a disagreement and I didn't want him to touch me. Now I didn't make a big deal about it, but I would move away from him. And the reason why is because if he touched me, I would soften right up and I'd be just fine. And I, for whatever toxic reason, <laughs> I wanted to remain angry. Um, but he would not, he would hug me and I'd soften right back up and I'd be all mushy and in love. So I thought that was my primary language. That is not the case. I am built that way. I am a person that is big on reconciliation and how better do I reconcile is the act of you coming to my rescue and embracing me. Get it? Now you see it? I've, I'm still learning and growing. And I think when you get into this study and you start doing the work, you will soon discover your, the answers of how you need to be loved have been there all the time. It's been there. And some of it, we've just missed the mark. And we say, well, we can't, you can't tell a person, you know, how to treat you, but you can, you know, teach them how to love you, teach them how not to treat. Listen, you got to first know you. Because if you don't, you'll be a mess. <laughs> you will also seemingly be self-sabotaging. And sometimes it's not really self-sabotage. It truly is that you just don't know your own language. Imagine growing up in a society where you don't know the language that you're speaking because you've been introduced to so many languages. You're talking all of them, but you don't know your native tongue. You don't know it. So I think with this book, it helps you to discover at least your primary and your secondary. And then the more you research and the more you talk with couples and you talk with your significant other and you get within yourself and you start putting, if you're, again, if you're religious, start matching up what the scriptures tell you, use discernment. If you do this work, I think you'll discover so much just like I did. There are some basic but essential questions you need to ask to discover your primary love language. Simple. What do you request most? What do you request most? What makes you feel most loved? What hurts you deeply? What do you desire most of all? When you go through those questions and you answer those questions honestly, they will provide you with critical clues.
sometimes we struggle and we make with making sex a mutual joy. We sometimes focus on technique, frequency, and variety. Yet much of the struggle relates more to the state of our emotional love tank. Think about your relationship and how you can focus more on the emotional side. And it will also improve the physical side. Again, I'm talking about healthy relationships and people seeking to have healthy relationships with healthy behavior. So you may be sitting saying, no, he's a cheater. She's a cheater. He's abusive. She's abusive. They don't provide. They don't do. I'm not talking solely to you, but I am saying maybe look a little deeper and see what's happening. What are you missing? You probably know. And are you speaking about it? And if you say, when I do talk, they ain't listening. Somebody has some soul searching to do. It's bigger than five love languages. We oftentimes express love in our own primary love language rather than discovering our spouse's language. Remember I said that earlier. Look back to the times when you felt most successfully communicated in love. Did you do so through your primary language? or that of your significant other? Are you willing to make a new commitment to speaking your significant other's language? What if your significant other really liked quality time and you're so busy? And then when you're not busy, you're home sleeping. And when you're not sleeping, you're on your cell phone. And when you're not on your cell phone, you're on your motorcycle. When you're not on your motorcycle, you're hanging out with the girls. And then the only time you give them is at the end of the day when it's time to go to sleep and you fall asleep and you may have five or 10, 20 words. You talk about the news and you sleep. Think about if, if that, if your partner's primary love language is quality time, where did you, where did you just give, was that the, was that, was that your dose of quality time? Is that fair? Do you think that that person can survive off of what you just gave them? Are they settling? Are they I mean, let's come on, come on now, come on. If your love tank is completely empty or very full, whether you know your love language or not, do a tank check. When you hear this podcast, wherever you are, do a tank check. Once you've taken the assessment, You've talked about the book. Everyone's aware. You're all on the same page. You've been talking to friends. You've gotten a group. You got support. Now do a tank check from zero to 10. Three evenings in a week, at least. Ask your partner, your love tank, babe, where you at? Zero to 10. They say, babe, I'm 10. Okay, you're good. Keep loving them. Babe, I'm like a two. Ask them, what can I do to fill your tank? Baby, what's missing this week? Oftentimes meeting each other's needs require learning new skills. Even if it's something basic like doing the laundry. I love it when a partner, I'll give you a perfect example because I I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I'll give you a perfect example, real time what happened to me. And I've shared this before, I'll share it again. I was in North Carolina visiting a girlfriend I just start seeing this guy 
that was back at home. So I was in North Carolina visiting my friend, hop in the car, get ready to leave. I was staying overnight, come back the next day. I have a flat tire while leaving her neighborhood. I had a date set to meet with this guy that I was seeing back at home, but it was going to be now what was going to, what was initially going to be like four and a half hours was probably going to be more like tomorrow. <laughs> so I call him up and I say, Hey, you're not gonna believe this. I just had a flat tire. I'm probably not going to make it. Um, I got to call triple or USAA so that they can dispatch a triple A. His immediate response was, do you want me to come get you? I fell in love with him when he asked that question. Well, here's the reason, because acts of service is my love language. I knew I was going to have quality time with him because we were getting together as soon as I got back. But when he said, do you want me to come get you? Sure, I can just come get you. I can come down there and not only get you, but I can pump, you know, fill your, your tire up, make sure it's okay. It's only a four hour drive. I got it. Nothing but time. I can do it. I fell in love with him. Now, the love that I felt for him wasn't sustainable because we were going in two different directions in our life. However, if we were in a different space at that time, I would have been with him till this day. Sometimes you meet people and your lives, your paths are crossing just at an inopportune time. But, and we continue to see each other for a little while, but my reason for loving him was that. And from that moment on, he always made me feel safe, acts of service. He always made sure I had anything I said I needed. If I needed luggage tags or if I just talked about it, acts of service, it wasn't a gift. It was, he went out of his way to make sure I had it. Um, I wanted to learn how to change the oil in my car. He offered to help me acts of service. I wanted to learn how to shoot a gun and, and he was willing to take me to the range anytime I wanted to go active service, always keeping me protected, always making me, making me feel empowered. I was in love with that. My tank stayed full until it, till other things began to complicate. And then <laughs> my car dirty, I could go and go get my nails done. He picked my car up, act of service and he'd wash it. This was him. This is who he was by nature. Our lives were just crossing at the wrong time. But when I looked over my life, those guys, those relationships, those things, those are the ones that always won every single time. Making me feel safe is an act of service because you are putting yourself before any, anyone else to make sure I'm good. My dad was like that. Now he loved me, but he would always try to give me solution. Always try to tell me, well, baby, if, if you do this, or if you, and he did what he could physically, he was much older. My father was an older man. So physically he couldn't just go out there and jack the car up, right? But he would try to guide me and tell me, and it felt the same act of service. In my current job, all I offer all day long are resources and referrals, and I'll come out and I'll advocate for you. I'll get on the phone. All those are acts of service. This is what we do. This is what I love. So you see, when you choose to love a person the way that they need to be loved, and if it's, the, and again, paths are crossing at the right time, right? All those things have to line up, but you're here. Let's say you're here. How do I love you? How do I love you? Let's, let's get into that. Let's do it.
Other things may break you, but don't let it be because you don't understand your partner's love language. Love is a choice and love makes the difference. Choosing to love in the language of your significant other has so many benefits. It can help heal past wounds and provide a sense of security, self-worth and significance. Yet the feelings of falling in love aren't the same as those choices that we will make that will meet the deep emotional needs of, of your significant other. It's different, it's different. Each of us need a sense of significance, self-worth and security. These are critical for our well-being. When we're discovering our love language, we must be open and we must be vulnerable. I'm not gonna belabor my point too much longer. But I will say this. When we've been mistreated and abused, it's very, very hard. Even sometimes it feels impossible to express positive feelings towards our lover. We can only express our pain. Still, positive actions are based on choice and not feelings. Employing the proper love language has miraculous possibilities. If your relationship is in serious trouble, maybe consider beginning by making a strong commitment of the will to undertake the, the experiment of figuring out the love language. Yeah, you're gonna risk some pain and some more rejection but you also stand to regain a healthy and fulfilling relationship. Count the cost. Is it worth the attempt? Only you can answer that. I think that's all that I have for now, because I wanna make sure that you have an opportunity to allow this all to sink in. Five Love Languages is a beautiful concept. I think Dr. Chapman did an amazing job with this. And I believe if we apply it to our lives, we may can discover so much more about ourselves, our partners, and maybe, just maybe, find the love that we truly desire. I'm going to leave this particular podcast <laughs> with a few final thoughts and scripture. This is something different for me. But while I've been studying the five love languages, again, I cannot ignore biblical principle. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been 
perfected in love. That's 1 John 4.18. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. 1 Peter 4 and 8. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Colossians 3 and 14. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God, and they know God. 1 John 4 and 7. Bottom line is knowing your love language is important so you can let your romantic partner and other important people in your life know how to give you the validation that you need. And knowing your partner's love language is equally vital as that should guide you how to treat them and how they should treat you. This is your girl, Queenie Love. Today's episode has been five love language at its center and at its core. I believe in it. I think the philosophy and the concept is hugely beneficial. And I want us all to grow in love and in life and in relationships. Always remember that I love you right where you are. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Relationship Zone, the podcast. Have a good night, all.